This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Today. 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 With Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Hey there. Welcome to Today with Jeff Fines. My name is Aaron Moses in the Burning Bush. That's where we left off in our last episode, and it's where we're going to continue in today's episode as Pastor Jeff continues to help us see how we can call on God during our most challenging times. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, so if you want to follow along with Pastor Jeff and myself, turn there in your Bibles now and be thinking about how God has met you in your most challenging time, or maybe you're currently going through your most challenging time. Be encouraged. There is a word for you here today. Let's continue with this message with Pastor Jeff on Today with Jeff Vines. Now, this ought to hit everybody. A lot of people come back to church because they've realized something, that they're not in control of their lives. No matter how hard you try, there's always another dynamic. And it feels like sometimes it's out to kill you. And so people often come back to church in the new year to find, to discover, is there anybody in my corner? Is there anybody that's for me? I want to show you a graph of my life. This is my story. And I sat down and really took some time. I couldn't do everything. But these are key times in my life when I thought about going the other way. Oh, Pastor Jeff, you had thoughts about going the other way? Of course. We, I mean, that's natural. Doubt is part of life. And I remember living my entire life to get a Division I basketball scholarship. And then I come to the end of my senior year in high school and all the five starters, I'm the only one that did not get a Division I scholarship offer. So right then I questioned God, God, I thought you were on my side. You know, this is what I wanted. Where are you? So I kind of took a dip. But then I got to know God in a more special way than I had not known him before. And I started to go back up again. And then I started to tell myself, maybe, maybe it's because I'm from a small town and the right coaches didn't see me. So I went to a place called Tennessee Tech University. To, to have a chance to play in front of major coaches so that maybe I'd get a Division I scholarship. And I told you that story. It took me all of 10 minutes to realize I don't belong here. I mean, these guys are really good. So again, there's a little dip. God, why did you put this passion in my heart all my life if you knew this was not going to become fruition or a reality? So I start to sink again. And then God gave me a new calling, and I realized it was Africa. So Robin and I went to Africa, and I had a new calling, a new lease on life, a new purpose. But then, after a certain amount of time, the government of Zimbabwe told us we could not come back, that we were no longer welcome, and all expat work permits were revoked, and I had to return to the States. And again, God, why did you do that? Why? But I got to know God a little better, got to know God a little more. I started to climb in my knowledge of God. I started to ask the deeper questions of life, meaning, purpose, death, origin, all of that. And then my mom died. And now I really start to question God. I'm going downhill. Things are getting bad. God, where are you? This is my mother. She's young. You need her. 
She's a strong Christian woman. You need people like her. What are you doing? Maybe you're not real. Maybe you don't exist or maybe you don't care. But then I started to know God and he started to reveal himself to me. I started to get to know who God really was and that God doesn't give an answer for everything that happens to us, but there's always a prevailing presence that goes with us through everything. And I'm not God. And there are things that I can't see or imagine or understand, but God continues to reveal himself and to walk aside. And then my dad dies. And now I'm homeless, or at least it feels that way. And at this point in my life, I took a huge upward turn because I realized that my real home is not with mom and dad. It was temporary that my real home is with God. And the only thing that I can depend on to know that is eternal is God. And that God had a plan to restore and redeem mankind. And even though I've lost all these things, my entire life has been upward mobility that I might become the person God has wanted me to become all along. I would have never known God this way had none of these things happened. And then, you know the story of this one, don't you? Then the anxiety comes. And this is where I had to learn another lesson. And that is that there are absolutely no guarantees in life. Zero. That all of us could die tomorrow. We could get a disease. We could become ill. No guarantees. Except that which God has provided in his word. That we will be with him forever. Some of you looked at your life and the things that have happened. And you thought that God had abandoned you. But sometimes God has to send a disruption of some kind an inexplicable trouble to pull you out of the stream, to get you out of ordinary life because the road on which you're traveling is not going to end well. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor Jeff, are you serious? Are you telling me that God would send or allow calamity in my life? Yes. If God is real and eternity is real, then doesn't it make sense that God would do whatever's necessary to get you out of the stream of the ordinary, to get you into his kingdom, that eternal life might be yours? And is it God's fault that we're so hard-headed? If God is a loving God, he's a loving father. And a loving father is going to do whatever it takes to get the child off of the road that leads to destruction onto the road that leads to life. However, the most powerful of all burning bushes is number four. And it is an inexplicable emptiness. This is the emptiness that comes with attaining your goal. I often mention the movie Chariots of Fire, and I talk about how Eric Little is a great hero, but the interesting character in that movie to me is Harold Abrams, who runs against Eric Little. And a comment that he makes just before the race to win the gold medal. He says, I have but 10 seconds to prove the meaning of my existence. And even then, I'm not sure I will. Wow. See, all of us are like that. Did you know that? Everybody in the room thinks that if there's something they can just attain, that your life will be perfect. If I could just get rid of this illness, if I could just get that home, if I could just get that car, if I could just get that girl, if I could just get that guy, if I could just be married. You've heard me talk about this, but it doesn't change. We think if we could just get that dollar amount, that degree, that promotion, then our life will be complete and fulfilled. And Cynthia Heimel, who is very familiar with most of the Hollywood stars, 
writes an interesting column. And in the column, she says this. She says, I think when God wants to play a really rotten practical joke on you, he grants you your deepest wish and laughs merrily when you realize you want to kill yourself. Now, that's not the God of the Bible. But it does say something about the reality of Hollywood stars who think, if I can just make it here, if I can just get that contract, that when they arrive at the place they thought would give them ultimate fulfillment, they want to kill themselves, realizing that if this is the thing I thought would fulfill me and it doesn't, there is nothing left. What is the use of living? The point is, you have to have a burning bush, a paradigm bomb to find God. And usually the burning bushes and paradigm bombs are unpleasant. Now, quickly, and then I want to end. When they come into your life, what do you do? Well, you got two choices. The first thing, you fight to remain in the ordinary. Think about what Moses could have done here. He sees a burning bush that's not being consumed. That's pretty fantastical, isn't it? But he could have said, you know what? It's almost eight o'clock. I got to get the sheep home before dark. You know, I got to go. I can't, I can't be distracted by a burning bush. Could have gone on his way. You know, when I was growing up, we were not a wealthy family. In fact, you could say we were probably poor. I knew what we were going to have for dinner every night because it was a regular routine. Monday night was meatloaf. Tuesday night, pinto beans. Wednesday night, hamburgers. Thursday, spaghetti. And you know what happens Friday? It's called beef stew. And what is it really? It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday leftovers. <laughs> that all get thrown into the pot. Now, when I met my wife, Robin, she had traveled all around the world, so she had eaten exotic foods, and she kept trying to introduce me in the early years of our marriage to Indian food and Thai and Asian, Middle Eastern food, but I said, no. She said, why won't you try this? Now, here's the, it's the interesting dynamic. This is what I'm used to, and it's bad. But even though it's bad, at least I know it's bad. If I try something else, I might be disappointed. That is the way most of us live our lives. Our life is bad. We're in the stream, but we're not willing to get out of it to try anything else. So what does God have to do? He's got to get us out of ordinary life by sending us something that forces us off the path. We look at it as God's abandonment when in reality, it's God's disruption, a paradigm bomb, a burning bush. Think about it. If Moses would have said, I don't have time for this burning bush. This is my life. I know it. It stinks, but at least it's my life. You probably would have never heard Moses if he didn't approach the burning bush. You probably would have never seen that Moses was able to find God through the burning bush. And worse yet, if Moses had not gotten off the path of ordinary life, he would have never experienced what it was like to see God open the Red Sea or to see the glory of God pass by him as he was placed in the cleft of the rock. So number one, you can fight to remain in the ordinary if you want and kick and stream about the things that God sends, or you can yield to the burning bush and see where it leads, because often they lead to God. Now let me say this one more time. The same way that you find God is the same way you grow in God. So those of you who are trying to find him, I want you to know that there are some things you're going to have to be willing to do, and that is you're going to have to be willing to embrace burning bushes and not see it as God's abandonment, but see it as God's wake-up call. You're going to have to be willing to deal with the things God sends into your life and to see them perhaps as God's activity, direct activity, to wake you up to what is real. 
In fact, anybody who's been a Christian for any length of time knows that life is a series of paradigm bombs and burning bushes from month to month and year to year. And it's God's enormous, unconditional, extravagant love for you to wake you up and get you out of an ordinary life to the extraordinary life where everything changes. Ah, but here's what's so beautiful. It's the third and final thing that people who have had a life-changing connection with God were willing to do. And this is the most important, and then it's going to be the end. You still with me? Do I have you? Okay, three. You got to be willing to come to God on his terms, not yours. The Bible says, when the Lord saw that he, that is Moses, had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse five, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now you talk about an incredible contradiction. God says, Moses, Moses. And then he says, don't come any closer. Now in Hebrew, the doubling of a word always refers to intimacy. Moses, Moses. It means I want a relationship with you. It means I want something of great magnitude. When David said, Absalom, Absalom, my son, my son, it's a term of endearment. Simon, Simon, Jesus said to Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. And then Jesus said, Martha, Martha, when he came to raise Lazarus from the dead, a term of endearment, of intimacy. I want relationship. But when Moses walks to the burning bush, then God says, back up, stop. This is holy ground. See what's happening here? This is beautiful. Get this if you haven't gotten anything else. On the one hand, God is holy. That's why he's represented with fire, holiness, justice, majesty. God says, I am what I am, not what you want me to be. When Moses said, who shall I say sending me? What does God say? God did not reply, just tell them this is my name. I am whatever you want me to be. No, God said, here's my name. I am who I am. If God had said, I am whoever you want me to be, that would be a God of clay, not a God of fire. You can do anything you want with that kind of God. You can mold that God into your own image. And people do this all the time. They'll say, Pastor Jeff, tell me all about your God, and then I'll tell you if I'm going to believe in him or not. And as long as my God likes what they like, hates what they hate, believes what they believe, rejects what they reject, permits what they permit, then they will encounter my God. That's not a fiery God. That's a God of clay. You can shape and mold him into your own image. I, I want you, this is a simple illustration, but I hope that you'll never forget it. I've got some Play-Doh here, and this is the God of today. That you can take the God of pluralism and of our culture today, and you can shape and mold him into whatever image you want. You can make God to be whatever you want. That's very popular, but it's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is not clay that you can take in your hands and mold and shape. The God of the Bible is fire. And you know what fire does to those who come into contact with it? It shapes and molds and melts. When you come into contact with clay, you shape and you mold the clay. But when you come into contact with God, he shapes and molds you, right? Okay, there you go. If you're willing or you desire to meet God, if you want to meet the real God, you've got to look for a God who will contradict you. 
If you want to meet the real God, you got to be willing to meet a God who will tell you things you don't want to hear. If you want to meet God, you've got to be willing first to take your shoes off and say, this is holy ground. And until you're ready to say, God, I want to meet you on your terms, until you're ready to admit that you're not God and you don't get to determine what God is like, but he is who he is and he has the right to shape and mold you, until you say to yourself, I'm ready to meet you, God, even if it means I have to change everything about me, until you're ready to say that, until you have that attitude, you have not truly begun to search for God. Now, that's bad news, kind of, isn't it? But not really. Here's the irony. The same God who says, Moses, Moses, I want relationship. Stay back. Show respect. I am holy. Don't just enter with indifference. Is the same God who says, Moses, come near. Draw near. God is the ultimate contradiction. He's holy. Go away. He's loved. Come near. That's what frustrates so many people. God is holy. Go away. But he's loved. Come near. And if you're religious people, you overemphasize the holiness, don't you? Religious people say, yeah, God is holy and he's going to send you straight to hell. And they're people of judgment and they're miserable and they're unhappy and they're unkind because they know down deep inside they don't live up to the standard they try to make everybody else live up to. And they're never happy. And the reason is because they know they're in trouble if they're going to approach God on the basis of religion, which says, as long as I'm good, God will love me and accept me. The problem is down deep inside, they know they can never be good enough. Now, that's religious people. Secular people tend to overemphasize love over holiness. To our modern day world, God is Mr. Rogers' God. I just love you just the way you are. But the true God, verse 7 says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. The true God is both holy, but he's the God that comes down to save us. And if you want to meet the real God, you've got to be willing, willing to get out of the ordinary You've got to be willing to embrace burning bushes that he sends into your life. And you've got to be willing to come to him on his own terms, not yours. But here's the good news of the gospel. His terms are wonderful. I want you to notice something in verse 2, those of you who are following along in the Bible. Verse 2 says, There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Now these are the closing thoughts, so I need you to stay with me. In the Old Testament, sometimes you read an angel. Other times you read the angel of the Lord. What's the difference? When it's an angel, it's an angel, a messenger from God. But when it's the angel of the Lord, it is God himself. God is in the middle of the burning bush, which is why he says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Now, this is so beautiful. I don't think, I mean, it takes a real... Jewish scholar like Robert Alter to, to give us an understanding of what's happening in the passage. Why is God in a burning bush and why does he choose that way to identify himself and to meet Moses? You know the answer? Because God is saying to Moses, Moses, I am going to come down and save the people Israel, but one day I am going to save all who will call on the name of the Lord. 
by going into the fire myself. That's the cross. One day, God is going to send his own son into the fire. And he's going to face the judgment of God so that you and I could experience the love of God. And if you are here and you want to find God, you come to God on his terms, which is through the cross, and you confess your sins, and you admit that you're a sinner and that you don't measure up, and God does. And the Bible says he will go into the fire on your behalf so that you never have to. And we said that God is willing to lose his own son so that he would not lose you. I want to encourage you, whatever's going on in your life, to stop, to contemplate just for a moment, is this God trying to get you out of ordinary life so that you can have an encounter, so that you will stop and you will think and you will ask questions that matter and that journey will always lead you to God. Father, I thank you for uh, the power of the Moses story. I thank you that you love us with a passion that is incomprehensible. That you, as our Father, are willing to do whatever it takes to open our eyes, the path that we're on, that we might come into your kingdom. I pray for those who are here this weekend who desperately have come back to church wanting so desperately to find you and discover what that relationship is like. I pray that through the power of your spirit, eyes would be open and we would begin to realize that God went into the fire for us and that the cross is the ultimate contradiction that through the death of Jesus, we gain life and our sins have been forgiven and the holy God clothes us with righteousness. And when he looks at us, he sees us as clean because of the sins that we have, which have been forgiven through the sacrifice of his son. And now we ourselves have become a contradiction. We are wasting away on the outside, but inside we are being renewed day by day. That we are still sinners so much on the outside, but inside we're the righteousness of God. I pray for those who have been away from God for a, for a long time, who have never known what it is to have that intimacy with God where everything changes. That right now, in this time, in this place, they would take the step into eternity embrace the cross of Jesus, be forgiven of their sin, and walk in the newness of life is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining me for this message, and I pray that it encourages you to stop and question, is God trying to get me out of ordinary life to come and know him better? There's a hint. The answer is yes. And until next time, I hope that you ponder this question and continue to stay in this headspace as we continue in our Inside Out series. I so desperately want to live a big life where nothing shakes me, nothing deters me, and I am rock solid, and I just keep going forward. Again, my name's Aaron, and I look forward to your company next time right here 
on Today with Jeff Fines. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.